Good evening. Um, there are two readings this evening. Um, the first is from Luke chapter 11, and the second is from Ephesians 4. Um, but starting with Luke chapter 11, um, it's on page 869 in the church Bibles, and we're starting at verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Second reading is Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Man to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let me pray for our time together now. Our Father, we have been glad to learn about what it means to be part of a local church. And the big danger as we conclude this series is that those who are ostensibly part of this living local church feel that they are not and we pray for a sensitivity and a commitment from us all to those who are on the outside to bring them into their heart. And we pray, Lord, in your gracious kindness, a commitment from those who feel they are on the outside come into the heart. Lord, we long to be what the New Testament describes a local church can be. And in many ways, we are that and we give you thanks for that and we need to acknowledge where there are good things because it is not down to us, it is down to your word shaping us and making us. Thank you for all the evidences of genuineness 
where, Lord, each of us matters. Help us to see that, to understand that tonight. Speak to us from your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want us to do tonight is to speak about praying. You see in the middle of the handout, help if you have that in front of you, along with your Bibles. I want to speak a little bit about praying to God in our services, our gatherings on Sundays, and also about speaking the truth in love to one another. But to do that in the context of summarizing the whole of where we have been over these past four Sunday nights, trying to draw the threads together, identifying some areas that we will return to in the future to look at in more detail, and to gently persuade us and encourage us and remind us, and some of us do need this encouragement. I don't think there's any one of us here who could hand on heart say that in their Christian life, they have never fallen out of love with their church or felt that their local church has fallen out of love for them. We live with flesh in the church as well as spirit. And that's why these topics, these series are important for healing, for restoration, for encouragement, and for aspiration. It certainly has done me no end of good to be reminded what a wonderful thing it is, with all of its weaknesses, to be part of a living local church. It struck me very powerfully this week, and my thoughts have gone down this line, what would it be like not to be? What would it be like in life to have no Savior? What would it be like in life to have no Lord? No Savior means no salvation. No Lord means no authority higher than me. What would it be like to have no Word of God? No revelation? What would it be like to have no fellowship in my life. Friendship is good. Fellowship, Christian friendship, is way deeper. What would it be like to be sick alone? What would it be like to be in a situation where life is so fragile that the people around you do not have the willingness and the confidence to talk reality? What would it be like if no one wanted to put your hand into God's hand? Quite frightening to think about and how wonderful it is if God has opened our eyes to trust him. If you're not a Christian here and some of you aren't yet Christians, 
We say not yet because we pray and long and desire that you will be. And some of you listening online will not yet be Christians. And I hope and pray that this series and the stuff we're preaching on in the mornings on Hebrews about Jesus might dismantle some of the reasons you have given for not being part of a living local church or following the Lord Jesus. Now, let me just summarize where we've gone. You see on the sheet, a local church, and the word local church, what that means is that God's purposes for churches like ours in the world is that they, they have a locus, a place. They are somewhere. People all within striking distance, physically. They're in a place, in a community, in a city, in a town, whatever. A local church is a group of Christians. Now, I will come at the end tonight, and a number of you have asked about this. We're speaking a lot about a local church being for Christians, and that's right. What about those who are not yet Christians? What about the witness of the church? Now, we'll come to that. We're going to reclaim a term that's been misused. Seeker sensitive is right. It doesn't mean though you change the gospel or change what you do. A local church is a group of Christians. You need to be a Christian to be part of the body of Christ. You do not inherit faith by going to a church or by observing any religious ritual. You come to faith by receiving the grace of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, and after that, you join the church universal and you find a local expression, a living local church. So a local church is a group of Christians called together by God. Now, we've got to believe this. We've got to believe, and we might talk about, oh, which church are you going to, or which church did I decide to go to? And often that's, that's expressed in, I can serve there, I can encourage people there, I can be fed there, I can grow there. But behind all of that, there is a supernatural God who knows what he's doing, who works stuff out in what we call coincidences, or providences, depending which way we're wired. Some of you are new to Chalmers. And every one of you who is new to Chalmers that we have got to know, we are delighted that you are here, and you are here for a reason. There's a lady listening tonight who is coming to Chalmers. She lives in England at the moment. She's been coming on her holidays. She sold her house and she said, there aren't many people of my age in Chalmers. And I said, that's exactly why you should come. And a number of people are coming of her age and constituency because there's a gap. And we mustn't have gaps in certain ages if we are to be a living church where all people are there. And if you're listening, lady, 
you need to come. God has brought us together to serve each other, to love each other, to do life with each other, to care for each other, to babysit for those with children, to love and value people who are single as well as married, of any age, background, race, culture. That's the church. And God brings us together. A local church is a group of Christians called together by God. And notice my English is precise here, not to reveal God's plan for the world, not to speak about God's purposes for the world, which, yes, we do do, not to speak the gospel, which we do do, but a local church, by being a local church, reveals God's plan for the world. What's God's plan for the world? In a nutshell, to reconcile all things, the creation and humanity, to reconcile humanity under Christ. And that will be manifested in a new creation, a new world where there will be Jesus ruling and all believers through all of history living in perfect harmony with him in a new creation. That is God's plan for the world. Not yet. The now is here. And in Carubbers and St. Columbus and Bellevue and church after church after church in the city. You see why? You see how gospel partnership is critical? Because Edinburgh does not need one church. It needs lots of churches scattered across the city in localities. And praise God that there are lots of churches to choose from in Edinburgh. If you're an undergraduate student and you settle in Chalmers, we will be delighted. But we will also pray that all the living churches in Edinburgh will encompass in their churches with all ages of people a cohort of students. So there will be no student church. There will be no older person's church. There will be church communities that display, like the wedding yesterday displayed to some of the guests, something they have never seen or never thought a church could be. All ages, stages of life, loving and worshipping together. So this local church, warts and all, sheep of all shapes and sizes, together, and that word together is critical, reveals God's plan for the world. This is as close as you get on earth to the new creation. And meeting together is fundamental to being a local church. It's like a family. And these analogies are never perfect because a family is not perfect and nor is a church. Meeting together in your local church is fundamental to being a local church, but is not always something we do with heart desire. It's just not, and it hasn't been 
for all of our lives at some stage. But nonetheless, if God's purpose is to unite humanity under the rule of Christ and to display that to the world and to the powers of evil in the world, what his reconciled new community is like that community must meet and be together. And when a church goes through a tough time, the very best thing its members can do is to come to church on a Sunday and sit together under God's word. That's how issues are resolved in churches. By Jesus speaking his gospel, speaking his word. Meeting together in person is fundamental to being a local church. We thank God for Zoom and YouTube and all of these things. And I think we really do thank God for these things. They were a blessing during a very difficult time. But it's not the same. Now, if you are listening and you cannot be at church, that is not what we are talking about. I know you long to be. You are with us in spirit and heart. But if you are listening and you can be here, then be here. Not primarily so that you will be blessed. But so the person beside whom there is an empty seat will be blessed. You see, it's when we shift as Christians to the selflessness of looking to the interests of others that we will come in person if we can because God has a conversation for us ordained or simply our singing to bless others or an encouragement. Meeting together in person is fundamental to being a local church and on Sundays we meet together, I'm going to speed up so I don't cover the ground again, to listen to God speaking to us through his word preached. And we're learning, I think, the right terminology of what we do when we come together. We don't come together to worship God. Of course, we do that. Every part of our existence is worshiping God. We come together to listen to God speaking to us through his word. And that pattern is crystal clear through the Bible. God speaks to us Sunday by Sunday. And he speaks to us through preaching when we all sit and it's really critical that anyone who preaches sits under the word of God like anyone else. Why does God use preachers? He does it because it embraces the preacher's affections for their material and for the gospel and connects with our human hearts, leveling us. Why do we preach? Because God told us to. And as Roger uh, made a comment in the prayer meeting before the service, the church was God's idea. 
He knows what he's doing. And we do what he says in tough times, knowing that it's right. So we listen to God speaking to us through his word preached, and we also listen to God when we sing, because we sing Bible truths or psalms or spiritual songs. And that uh, phrase in Colossians, the word of God dwells in us richly. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing all of the above. And we should do so probably as a starting point in some kind of equal uh, proportion. One-liners are fine. Repetition is fine. Hymns are great. Psalms are wonderful. A rich mix where no preference wins out over a principle. We sing horizontally to one another to edify, to encourage each other, and we sing uh, to God. I'm still um, uh, searching for an answer in my heart to how come our singing sounds so good every week. Because we're not all good singers. Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now on Sundays when we meet together, we declare the gospel. Now, I just put that in. We haven't highlighted that in the series. It's just to emphasize that when the word of God is preached, and when the psalms and hymns and songs are sung, we declare the gospel. We need to keep on saying the gospel to one another, to guard it and to be blessed by it. Now, the next bit we haven't looked at and we will do. We gather together on Sundays to share in baptisms and the Lord's Supper for two principal reasons. For the connection these give us to God and to each other and for the visual aids they give us to the gospel, cleansing and blood and body. Now we'll come back to that as a short series later on in the year. Now let's just pause on the next one. We gather together to pray to God. Turn to Luke chapter 11. One of the examples of the Lord's teaching on prayer. I wonder if, if our default with the Lord's prayer is to think that it is more applicable to our personal prayer lives than it is to our corporate prayer lives. There's no reason or logic to that. It's the basic mainline teaching in the Bible about how we should pray whatever context that is. So how should we pray in church, in our local church, on a Sunday? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's how we should pray on a Sunday. Sometimes to pray that prayer as a prayer, that's perfectly appropriate. My hunch would be that it's primarily a pattern to shape our praying 
than a prayer simply to be prayed. But as a prayer to be prayed, it is perfectly appropriate. So what do we do on a Sunday? We engage in, and these are the uh, technical words on the sheet, adoration. Hallowed be your name. God, there is no name greater than yours. You are sovereign, you are mighty, you are omnipotent, you are one on whom we can supremely depend. That kind of stuff has got to be a note that is struck through our praying. And with thanksgiving, thanksgiving is not mentioned here in particular, but that note is struck again and again through the Bible, the Psalms, and the New Testament when we pray, hallowed be your name. Father, the other gospels have our Father, corporate, Father, Abba, in heaven, Matthew's gospel has, Father, intimate, in heaven, King, intimate, sovereign. The fusion of the approachability and the majesty of God, reverence and intimacy, punctuating our praying and our gatherings. Hallowed be your name. Intercession, that's praying for stuff. What stuff should we pray for? Well, that's encompassed by the phrase, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Your kingdom come means Jesus come again, bring in the new creation. Or it means, Jesus, may your kingdom come on earth. May the kingdom of God spread throughout the earth. And that encompasses uh, uh, three things. It encompasses praying for stuff like the Ukraine, all of which is taken up in the purposes of God through human history to eventually uh, be yielded in the new creation. So we pray for these big things in the world. We pray that through it all, God's purposes will advance. We pray for the protection of the right to preach the gospel in these places. We pray that people's lives will be preserved so they might hear the gospel. We keep, our, we keep our edge in our praying for these big issues in the world. To people's response to Jesus and his message of forgiveness. There are many, many, many agencies and governments in the world that bring aid. And rightly, we support that and pray for that. But our primary responsibility as the church is to pray for God's kingdom to uh, come. And it comes on earth as men and women and boys and girls trust in Jesus. And it comes in the end when Christ will make this creation uh, new. Your kingdom come embraces the big issues of the world. And secondly, it embraces the mission of God in the world. That's why Sunday by Sunday we pray for mission partners we pray for people taking the gospel all over the world. Praying that goes beyond the local church to the world church. And thirdly, to pray your kingdom come is to pray your kingdom come in this local church, in this community, in this locus, in this place, in Morningside, through our witness as a church. Give us each day our daily bread in the life of a church is to provide for us what we need or to provide for everyone in the community what they need, and if so be it, the church shares what they have to give to those in need in their uh, community. We have a, a hardship fund in Chalmers. 
money gifted by people to support those who are struggling financially. I would love us, I'd love us as a church to, to, be, to be in a position where we have to draw on that fund again and again, because that will mean there are people in our church community from all sorts of backgrounds. If you are in need financially, and that prayer, give us today our daily bread, should be answered first in your local church for you. And it encompasses all sorts of other provision that we need as a church, whether it's money to buy buildings or premises to go to or this, that, and the other. So adoration and thanksgiving, intercession for the world, for the advance of the gospel in the world, the advance of the gospel in this local church, for our needs as a local church. And of course, that encompasses the needs of individuals. We pray for people getting married. We pray for children when they are born or or dedicated, people getting engaged and people dying. And we need to learn to be sharper in our public prayers, to pray for people to be fruitful in their singleness. To learn to pray in ways that reflect who we are in our diversity. Now, we can't pray up front, reaching all the pastoral confidences. You know, I'd love to do that one Sunday. That would be the end of me. But that's what small groups are for, pastoral confidences. Why they're so vital. Let me just spot the last comment there, confession of sin. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is Jesus speaking to us as Christians. We are saved by grace. We are forgiven every sin. But when the people of God gather, they need to make, and the leader will lead us in this, we need to make our sins public to each other. Now, in your small group, you might do that, naming in the sin. But we need to make our sins public as a church to each other. Not all of us will have committed these sins, but we need to acknowledge them before God. For in so doing, he sanctifies us. And when you confess sin, and when you remind each other of the gospel, and when you sing a good set of songs, and when the word of God is preached, we are sanctified in the power of the Spirit, even by being here. Even if we're falling asleep, Some of you are after a wedding, a late night service this morning. So wake up. Nudge the person next to you in truth and love. My eyes grow heavy on a Sunday night, sometimes even when I'm preaching. Confession of sin is something we do not do enough as a community. That is something we will put right. What does praying look like on a Sunday? Somebody up front and not, and a whole range of people, which we have. Some of you will say to us, why do people read their prayers and write them out? The answer to that is, there is nothing prescriptive. There is nothing in the Bible that says you need to write out your prayers. There is nothing in the Bible that says you shouldn't. What the Bible says is you need, if you are praying, to prepare, to pour over what you are praying for, to pray for help, for guidance, 
and to lead God's people as well as you are able. Normally, that works out in writing it down, especially if you do it every week. Otherwise, you say the same stuff. But there are no rights and wrongs or rules. It's just wisdom. But it means lots of people praying, sharing in that public ministry. It means four or five prayers through a service before you preach, after you preach, at the beginning. We're going to think about where you put confession. I think confession might be best placed after the sermon before we sing at the end, and right at the beginning. We'll think about that. And then we meet on Sundays to speak the truth in love to one another. Just flick to Ephesians. This is familiar territory for us. John Wesley was asked by somebody, um, uh, he always preached, you must be born again. And you know the story, and she goes up to him and says, why do you keep preaching, you must be born again? And what's his answer? You must be born again. Why do we keep going on about speaking the truth in love until we all speak the truth in love? And so we don't talk about the weather. So we talk about Jesus. And we look people in the eye and say, how are you? There's Colin flanked by two heavies on either side. He said that to me earlier. What are they going to talk about afterwards? Football? Yes, that's perfectly allowed. But probably that Colin has had three people that he loves dearly die in the last week. You're not going to talk about that anywhere else except in the church. That's what we're here for. You can't talk about that if we're not here. You can text or email, but it's nothing like the same as being flanked by two heavies. It's just a no-brainer. It's a different world. Now that passage in Ephesians we know well, it, it says three things. It starts off by saying a church, unity is so precious. Just that wonderful phrase, we are to maintain unity, not attain it. We can't attain it, it's given to us, but we can mess it up. How do you maintain unity? There are two big stepping stones in this passage. One is the ministry of the word. That's the middle of the passage. And the second stepping stone is speaking the truth in love. And that means it's better if you're people like I am, and if I weren't the minister, I'd be first out the door, and I'd be in the car, and I'd be off home, and I'd be praying for you, but I wouldn't be speaking to you. Hang around. Encourage each other. Speak to each other. Ask somebody if they were asleep during the sermon. And would they like you to explain the bit that you slept through? Talk to people. Ask how they are. What does it look like on a Sunday? Well, those of us um, who grew up with a different culture have come to relish the bit when everyone speaks to each other in the middle of the service because some of the talk is not that wholesome but a great deal of it 
is rich and helpful. This morning, there were a couple here in church who don't go to church, who were invited by somebody else at a wedding. And they came out and they spoke to me outside and they said during that time, whatever it was, people got up and they moved over, they sat beside them and they spoke to them and that made a big impact on them. It's as simple as that. When there's all that hubbub going on, it can be irreverent if you're talking about the football. But silence can be very irreverent and godless. It's a balance, isn't it? Speaking the truth in love. And then serving one another so that Sundays can happen. Like clearing the kitchen afterwards, after you've spoken the truth in love. I mean, seriously. There's a time for putting the chairs out and moving the kitchen stuff, and that's not until 15, 20 minutes after we're done. Really, it's not. There's spiritual work to do before that. Let me finish. Sundays are special because we get to be ourselves, enjoy who we are, grow more like who we are, and glorify God. I never would have said that unless we had studied this kind of thing. I think that's exactly right for us to say and not be ashamed of that and to claim it and to own it and to love it. Always accepting that there are people in our community who feel a million miles from that. And that brings us to these concluding questions. What is the right frame of mind to have on a Sunday? So all I can do is speak personally in answer to that. There are some Sundays when I come all fired up to encourage, to speak the truth in love. And of course, we ministers hide behind the veneer of doing the job. And I come prayerfully, having prayed in the morning, prayed on the way here, thinking, who am I going to speak to? Who am I going to encourage? Uh, Coming to listen, having read the passage before, and, and that's great. But there are other Sundays that I come when I need to be the person that is spoken to. You see? It's not about beating us up this. When we're in good heart, come with good hearts. And when we are down in heart, come down in heart. And don't stay away. That's how it should be. In a family and in a church family. But come. In person. And what about our witness on Sundays to people who are not yet Christians? Well, we can say more about this at a later date. The term seeker-sensitive is spot on. It has just become something that it shouldn't be. Seeker-sensitive does not mean, for example, taking any of the list under number three out. That's all staying in. A seeker-sensitive is to be conscious and delighted and glad that there are people there who are not yet Christians and to know that they are experiencing, sometimes for the first time in their lives, like this fellow at the wedding yesterday who, who, well, by the end of the evening, other things had happened at the reception, so he was very free with his but he, was, he had been deeply affected by that service. By Laura and Peter's joy. Couldn't get his head around it. By the singing 
But we didn't not speak the gospel. And we didn't sing songs that didn't have the gospel in them. And we didn't change the orthodox Bible's teaching on marriage. And that's a parody for church. Think of it like a wedding. You know, across our three services, we have uh, 30-odd seats that are always free, always at the front, to be fair. And I'm looking forward to next week's entry from the front to see how we'll all manage. And we must have seats free for people to come in like that couple this morning. Think of it like a wedding. Lots of guests who become members of the family. And what about the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday? Well, I can't get through Monday to Saturday without Sunday. Don't think I can. We need Sundays to get through Mondays to Saturdays, our small groups to get from Tuesday to Thursday or Thursday to Saturday. And we need Sundays for one other big reason, to go out and tell people about Jesus. And what an opportunity this week presents us all. A rare opportunity. Perhaps one that we've never had before in our time. To speak about Jesus. To speak about the local church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for Sundays. Thank you for one another. And we pray, Lord, that all of us who are part of this local church would belong, be here if we are able to love and to care for and embrace one another. Help us not to be false about our struggles. We repent now of our sins of looking over people, looking for our friends, the people that we are comfortablest with speaking. Sorry, Jesus, it's not how you want us to be. Help us to be like you have supernaturally created us to be. For Jesus' sake.